It is good to be together again, and I'm thankful that we are here. We are again in 1 Corinthians, starting a new series uh, through 1 Corinthians, where we are walking with Paul uh, through and with him, to him, for him, through him, by the grace of God, the goodness of the word that is found in 1 Corinthians, given to Paul by God. And that is where we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, beginning uh, this text. Again, we covered the first nine verses last week. We're going to begin reading in verse 10 this morning. And as we dive into our text this morning, I think we're going to quickly see and realize, like we talked about last week, that Paul is now going to leave his introduction behind. He's going to leave uh, Thanksgiving behind. Again, a Thanksgiving where he thanked God, not just for the people, but rather the grace that God had shown and the favor that he had shown to the people. And like we said last week, um, whether or not the Corinthians deserved that Thanksgiving or not, clearly it was to point them back to the goodness of God. And then we said that we were going to start moving into the issues fairly quickly, where here we are today in chapter 1 of verse 10, uh, beginning to see those issues that have now been reported to Paul. Now, what we're going to see in our text this morning as we begin to read it together and, and talk about it together is Paul is actually going to respond to the divisions that exist in the church. And so it begins here in chapter 1, verse 10, and then it's just going to continue to move uh, through the next several chapters together. And sadly, what we're going to see as we walk through uh, this part of 1 Corinthians together, we're going to see that many of these divisions were actually created internally by the body of believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, most of the issues were rooted around uh, the very issue of the leadership of Apollos and Paul himself. Now, when I talk about leadership, I'm not, I don't mean that Paul and Apollos actually contradicted one another, but rather what we're going to see is that the people were now putting themselves in tribes, or better yet, putting themselves in factions based upon the pastor or the specific leader that they actually liked the best. So in our text this morning, Paul is going to address the truth that following man is sinful if we place that man's words greater than the word of God and thus greater than God himself. Now, if you think about that for a moment, this is exactly one of the struggles that we have today as modern believers. I mean, how many times have we seen or heard people disengage from the local church only to engage with a podcast simply because they liked that particular pastor's voice better? How many times do we, do we hear from people who say things to us like, well, I, I know the Lord has called me to be a part of the local church, and I know I need to be with the local believers. However, I'm seeing this person over here, and I, I, I rather enjoy their life. I enjoy what they're saying. I enjoy the way they're doing life. And so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm actually going to follow them. And then the reality of the situation is this. As believers, we never pause to ask, well, how is this person pointing me to the truth that is found in the Word of God. I mean, here's the reality for us today. If we are not careful, and Paul teaches us this word this morning, if we are not careful, we can elevate man higher than God. And thus what ultimately happens is we begin to lose our love and our longing to be committed to the local church and to be committed to the Word of God because we think, or better yet, we believe that we have found something or someone who is better than God himself. Now again, I'm not advocating this morning that listening to a podcast or a YouTube channel is bad. 
However, when an individual and not the word becomes our sole source of truth, then it can lead to problems. Not only can it lead to problems, but as Paul talks about, it can actually lead to division amongst the body. So as we come back to our text this morning, this is what Paul was dealing with in his day as he hears and addresses what what really can be best described as the first issue within the church that Paul decides to address. You see, the people in Corinth, the, the Corinthian Christians were divided over who they should follow, or better yet, over who they believed was the better leader. The church itself was now divided into groups. Divided into groups based upon the leader that they wanted to follow. Divided into groups based upon the leader that they wanted to listen to and the leader that they thought was actually better than the other. So Paul, seeing that following man can lead to division, now points the people back to Jesus Christ because it's Christ alone who unites us. And Paul does this by asking the rhetorical question, is Christ divided? So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are going to begin reading in verse 10. And if you have found your place in the Word of God already, if you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word. Now this is Paul writing 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. He writes, I appeal to you, brothers, By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now here begins the body of Paul's letter. And ultimately, what we see from Paul moving forward from this point is he's going to call for unity within the church, a call that he's going to constantly come back to time and time again throughout this letter. Now, clearly from Paul's words, we know that division had now erupted within the church, and those divisions, according to our text today, were actually focused on who the people should follow. Should it be Paul? Should it be Apollos? Or should it be Peter? Now, we know that this division had gotten so bad due to man's need to to have a leader and to follow a leader that they began to, to elevate these leaders to a status that the leaders themselves, if they knew about this, would probably refuse. So, 
the people were now treating Paul and they were treating Peter and they were treating Apollos as if they were the ones who were the Messiahs and not Jesus Christ himself. So upon receiving this word, Paul now writes back to the Corinthian Christians to give them a simple truth. When we follow man, meaning this, when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in man, it is man who divides. However, when we follow Christ, putting our faith, our trust, and our hope in Jesus Christ, it is Christ who unites us. Now, Paul accomplishes teaching this truth again by asking the question this morning, a question that I want us to remember, is Christ divided? So let's jump back into our text and see who truly divides versus who truly unites. First, again, let's see. When we follow man, we will be divided. Read with me again verses 10 and 11. Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. Now notice how Paul opens by reminding the people that these words are not his own opinions, but rather they are founded upon the truth that is ultimately rooted in the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Paul literally begins this section by saying, I am pleading to you by the name of Jesus. I am pleading to you in the name of Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying that this word is actually based upon the truth that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And so in knowing this truth, Paul now wants the church to be unified in that church, but then, or that truth. But then notice how he uses the words brothers twice uh, in this particular passage. Now, again, as a footnote, the word that Paul uses for brothers here is the Greek word adelphoi, which literally translates into brothers and sisters. So what Paul is doing is he's using kinship or familial language to show his genuine love and care for the people, as well as to show his hope that they would now be united and live in harmony with one another in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul's hope was to see the Corinthian Christians act live and speak in such a way that it promotes Christian family, or better yet, it promotes brotherly love. Now again, some years later, it would be Plutarch who would write about the same issue when he says this. He says that brotherly love is as rare in our day as brotherly hatred was among the men of old. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't miss the warning that we now see in this text. Paul literally tells us that we should not allow division to be what defines us as a church. We are called to be a part of the family of God. We are a part of the family because of the work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as a part of the family, we need to act and behave as if we were a part of the family. Now, 
Think about that for a moment because a lot of people take that phrase, okay, I get it. We're supposed to be a part of the family of God, which by the way, reminds me of a a very old song that a lot of churches used to sing at the end of their services. I don't know if you grew up this way, but I remember remember being at a particular church that I love and we would hold hands and we would sing that song. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Yeah. There we go. If you, okay, pause there. By the way, you people know that. That's really good. Maybe that's how we should close out our services. Some of you are looking around going, man, this predates me, you old people. (laughs) To which I take pride in now. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. However, moving on. Coming back to the text. As a part of the family of God, it's like being a part of our own families. Think about your own family for a second. You see, in my family, there are times where we argue. Shocker. There are times where the children think they're more right than the parents. Shocker. All the time, they're not. Again, shocker. Right? But here's what, ha- <laughs> here's what happens. No matter how upset we get as a family, there is never a moment where I go to my room and I sit down with my wife and say, good news. We are so upset with this child, we are just getting rid of her. And that's okay because we still have three. So we're doing fine. No, what we do and probably what you do in your home is this. When there's an argument or a disagreement that leads to division, what do you do? You work it out. And so literally Paul is saying the same thing. As a church, when there is division, what do you do? You work it out. This is how we are called to behave as a family of God. Now notice what happens, because if you fast forward into the New Testament, you see that John actually warns the church himself about division. When you get to 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, he says, If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Now what does John mean about hate? How do we define hate? Well, not to use a word to define the word. He's talking about hatred, right? He's talking about anger and bitterness, and seeking division towards the family of God. You see, as God's people, in a series walking through 1 Corinthians that we have called, that that we see that we are called to, to holiness, the calling and the challenge of the church, we as God's people, called to be holy, we cannot go around living in bitterness and hatred towards those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then notice what happens in the text. Paul's going to continue from there. He says this. He says, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, again, Paul is not calling for the people to simply be the same in all things. But rather, what Paul is saying at this point is this. He says, allow that which you do agree on to now dominate your conversations. I mean, talk about a good word from Paul this morning. The reality is this as believers in Christ. We're going to meet people that we disagree with. And as, a, as an aside, there are going to be some people that we're going to have disagreements with and it's going to be over a sin issue because they have sinned and they do not want to repent of their sin. Or 
We may meet people that we disagree with who are now incorrectly applying or dividing the word of God, which may mean, according to the word, that we need to separate from them for a season. However, what Paul is thinking of in this moment is this. When we disagree with a brother and a sister in our church over a simple interpretation or a simple miscommunication or a simple fellowship issue, then let's not allow divisive words to then dominate our conversations. Rather, what Paul says is this. He says, regroup and refocus on that which you do agree upon. Now, just think about this for a moment. Because I can't help but wonder how our conversations would change if, in the midst of a disagreement, we paused and came back to that which we now agree upon. Which is, for Paul, the fact that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Upon that, that should be our foundational agreement that we can always come back to. Now, coming back to the text, Paul says, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. Now, we don't know much more about Chloe or her people, but we can determine it was Chloe that cared about her church. It was Chloe who, who cared about her family so much so that she, she left with her people not to leave the church, but rather to, to travel to Ephesus to talk to Paul directly about what was going on. Now pay attention to what we can learn from, from Chloe and, and her, her people, if you will, her associates, if you will. Talk about a great way to handle an issue. When men seek to divide from one another, Paul says, then just go to the source. Too often, we listen to everyone else's thoughts and everyone else's opinions on a particular issue. When the reality is, Paul says, just go to the source and ask the questions. Now again, many of us may want to think about particular issues in mind, but one thing I want us to focus on is this. Think about the podcast that we listen to. Think about the, the news that we follow. Here's the reality. Our podcasts are, are there for a reason. They have an opinion on everything. I don't know if you know that. I, I would love to see, by the way, I would love to see the study that's been done recently on how, how much people still watch the news on TV versus how much people listen to podcasts. Like, I imagine they're about the same at this point because everybody I talk to is listening to some sort of podcast. For some reason, I feel like I've really been in tune to that this week, listening to people this week. And every conversation I've had, where there's always a podcast that is either mentioned, encouraged to listen to, or brought up. But here's the reality. When you listen to your favorite podcast, they are going to give you their opinion on a topic. They're going to give you their opinion on a person. They're going to give you their opinion on an issue to which we may agree with. Now, again, that's not to say don't trust what they're saying, because the reality is we could probably trust much of what we are listening to. However, when it comes to, to people speaking to specific issues, Paul says this. He says, go and read for yourself. Go and research for yourself. Go straight to the source. In other words, what Paul is teaching here is this. Don't get so lost in the emotions or the opinions of those around you. Because when you do, you get lost in the argument. You get lost in the division. And then as the text continues, we see that there is quarreling. This is what Chloe and her people report. There is quarreling among them. And it's all centered over which man the church should or follow or should follow or do follow as their leader. Look with me at verse 12. Paul calls it. He says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul. 
or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Now let's pause there because here we are now seeing the root of the divisions within the church. The Corinthian Christians were now picking sides over who their preferred minister was. And so they were treating that minister as if that minister was their champion, or better yet, as if that particular pastor was their savior. So let's just kind of pause and take stock of what's happening here. Let's just kind of size up the competition, if you will, that Paul now gives us. In one corner, we have Paul. Paul, who was the the faithful evangelist, firmly rooted in his uh, theology. Paul, who was uh, just a, a, a genius when it came to apologetics. He was a church planner in, in, in Corinth. He's like their founding father. Then there's Apollos in the other corner. Apollos who uh, ministered in Corinth. Apollos who was known for his ability to, to speak. People, people were often just blown away and encouraged by uh, his, his, the, the words and the, the power of the words that he used and his eloquent preaching. I would imagine if, if Apollos was alive today, many of us would say, I love listening to that guy talk. In fact, I could listen to that guy read the encyclopedia. And then there was Cephas, who, by the way, is the, Ameri- the Aramaic name for Peter. Peter, one of the founding church fathers, an OG apostle, if you will comes back again in chapter 3 for the purpose of of helping the church with strife. So we've got three factions, three powerful leaders. So clearly there's some heavyweights for the church to choose from. I mean, come on, this is really not a bad lineup if you're thinking about choosing sides. I mean, the, the way I would equate that would be to say this, hey, listen, Forrest did a great job last week, but down the road, there's Apollos. Let's go get him. Corey's a, Corey's a fabulous preacher. But man, Paul is around the corner. I mean, I like Corey. I'm a part of his church, but man, I'd rather be with Paul. I'm going to listen to Paul. Other corner, there's Peter. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love our pastor. Johnny's great. He's clumsy, but so is Peter. Peter's the OG. Why would I not go after him? These were the sides that the church was dividing over. But then notice in the text what Paul also says. He says, or I follow Christ. Notice that Paul says these words because he wants the people to see that when you choose human leaders to to faithfully put your your full hope, your full faith, your full trust in, you need to recognize that these these leaders are, are fallible. When you you put your complete faith, hope, and trust in leaders, in man, then you are going to become divided. And so Paul says this, however, for me, I'm choosing Jesus Christ. In other words, notice what Paul says. He says, I will not choose to blindly follow a leader as my Savior, especially when that human leader clearly sits below Jesus Christ. Thus, the argument over who to follow as our Savior, well, that argument is beneath us as believers. Now, again, I want us to pay attention because I don't want you to walk away thinking, okay, so pastor just told me not to follow any leaders. Okay, you would leave here wrongly at that point, okay? 
We're not saying that at all. In fact, I think if Paul and Apollos and Peter were here, they would probably say the same thing to you because you see, these men were faithful men. None of these men were seeking to divide the church. Rather, they were just simply seeking to be faithful in following Jesus Christ. In fact, what they, what they often said was this, hey, listen, follow the example, okay? I'm trying to set an example that's pointing you to Jesus. Follow that example as I continue to follow after Jesus Christ. Paul says these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Who is Paul pointing the attention to? Not to Paul. He's pointing it to Jesus Christ. Peter does the same thing. In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice in this passage, Peter doesn't mention himself at all. Who does he give all praise and honor and glory to? He gives it to Jesus Christ. He says, listen, Jesus Christ is our only hope. Notice when we sing in Christ alone, we don't say in Paul alone. Notice we don't sing in Peter alone. Notice we don't sing in our songs anything about Apollos at all but rather the attention and the focus is on Jesus. You see, Paul, Peter, and Apollos would all want the believers to follow the example as they sought to be faithful to follow the example of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about these men, there was no division amongst these three men. In fact, later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul's going to encourage Apollos to come back and visit again. And hopefully Apollos would then share with the believers the good news of the gospel. He even also talks about how he hopes that he and Peter would, would be together in, in sharing the same gospel. So clearly, the issue is not the leaders, nor is it a contradiction in their teaching and their theology, but rather the issue is this. The pride of the Corinthian Christians and their infatuation with blindly following their favorite speaker with no regard to the word of God or to brotherly love. And it was because of this lack of regard for Jesus Christ and unity within the church that they began to divide from one another. I mean, could you imagine what church must have been like for them? I mean, I, I just kind of imagine, like, did they, did they walk in and and I know some of us have like shirts with our favorite reformers on them. I imagine that they walked in and they're like, Paul, I got a shirt with Paul on it. Where is the Paul section? It's over here. Okay. Where's the, where's the Peter section? No, it's over here. Okay. Where's the Apollo section? It's down front. Wait, wait, wait. Why is Apollo's section down front? The people who followed Apollos would say, because we're just that awesome. The people who followed Paul and Peter probably said, no, it's because you just need that much of Jesus that you don't know, so you need to be closer to the front because we want to make sure you're paying attention. They were needlessly dividing over men. Again, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't miss what's happening in the text in this moment. When we blindly follow a man, putting our faith, our hope, and our trust fully in man, even in the good men and not the word of Jesus Christ, then we can easily place them upon a pedestal where they can do no wrong. And then for us, in our own minds, those men can become far more superior than the church and then Jesus Christ himself.
I mean, here's the reality. Even good leaders would tell you today, we are fallible. A good leader will tell you, we will fail. So listen and follow the good examples, but never let those examples take the place of Jesus Christ and his word. Because the reality is blindly following man can and will lead to division. Tell you what I'm talking about. On Thursday mornings, I get an opportunity to sit down with a group of brothers from this church and we're walking through the Bavink book, Herman Bavink, The Wonderful Works of God. Incredible writing. But as we are going to find out as we continue to walk through this book, we're not always going to agree with Bavink. However, Bavink acknowledges that, fellas, right? Chapter 2, who does he point to the whole time? Jesus Christ. The hope that we have in Christ. You see, that should be what is true of us today. Because here's the reality. If we blindly follow men, placing our full faith and hope and trust in men, then what will happen is we will give them our full authority. Which means that the word of God no longer has authority in our lives. Which means that the local church now has no authority in our lives. Which means, follow it out, that now we have an authority issue with Jesus Christ in our lives. That's how far division can take us. Now, coming back to the text, Paul has more to say on this subject because what he's going to now do is he's now going to turn his attention to what happens when we follow Christ. And this is the second thing I want us to see. When we follow Jesus Christ, and I think we all know this already, so this shouldn't be anything new, but when we follow Jesus Christ, we will be unified. In other words, when we place our full faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, we will be unified. Notice again, verse 13. Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now notice how Paul opens here with a a rhetorical question. He asks the question, is Christ divided? To clearly the believers would know the answer to that question is no. But Paul does this because he wants the Christians to know that it's really quite shocking to him that they are now divided over these other leaders because they should be able to faithfully say, according to the teachings of Paul, that Jesus Christ cannot be divided. And then, in a true sign of incredible grace and wisdom, Paul puts all the attention on himself versus making Apollos or making Peter look bad. He says, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, clearly, the believers know the answer to this question. The answer is no. But Paul wanted them to see that their faith should not be in him, nor should it be in Peter, nor should it be in Apollos. Rather, their faith should remain centered upon Jesus Christ. Now, from there in the text, Paul's going to remind the church that the focus is and should be on Christ. And it's in Christ that we are now unified, not because of man, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. In fact, look with me, verse 14. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Notice that Paul now picks up upon the theme of baptism and the the Corinthians Christians' wrong understanding of baptism. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you. 
And then he says, well, except for those I remember. There's Crispus, there's Caius, household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I can't remember. Paul's point was very simple. Paul does not want anyone to boast on the fact that he was the one who baptized them. Because boasting on man takes away from the central truth that it was Jesus Christ who died for believers. Thus, it is Jesus Christ who deserves all the glory alone. Now again, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the guys that he mentions here because Paul is simply recalling them for the sake of his own remembrance. But rather, what is important to Paul and for us and for the Corinthian Christians is this, is that the person who performed the baptism is utterly insignificant. What matters is the act itself. What matters is, like we saw on Easter Sunday when we talked about the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him, what is baptism? It was an example of the hope that could be found in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. It didn't matter about the tub. didn't matter whether or not it was indoor or outdoors. didn't matter about the water. didn't even matter about the person doing the work. It simply mattered about Jesus. So you see, in the, in the midst of seeking someone or something to follow, Paul says to us, don't lose sight or focus on the fact that we should always follow Jesus Christ above all else. And in that truth, we should be united. Paul goes on from there in verse 17, and he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize you, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now here Paul gives reason as to why baptism is is, is relative from him and not not relative in the sense of that it shouldn't be done, but rather more relative in the sense of its significance. He says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now again, Paul is not downplaying the importance of baptism as some scholars would want to argue at at this point, nor is he contradicting the Great Commission itself in Matthew chapter 28. Rather, what Paul is wanting the Corinthian Christians to understand is this, you need to get back to the gospel. You were arguing over who baptized you, and based upon that, that is who you were deciding to follow. And Paul says, listen, no, you need to get back to the oral proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, this was an important message for the Corinthian Christians because they had now trivialized baptism so much that they had now lost sight of their mission. And so Paul says the same thing for us as well. I believe this is true of us as well. When we trivialize minor issues, when we continue to hold lines of division, when we continue to hold onto our anger and our bitterness and our truth so tightly, then what happens is this. We lose sight of what matters. We lose sight of the fact that God has us here, he has us now, and he has us for a purpose. And if you don't know what that is, it's real simple. Paul says it is to make known the name of Jesus Christ. Make Jesus known. You see, too many churches right now are are arguing about things that are trivial. And I'm not, I'm not talking about things in the word that are trivial. I'm talking about just simple things. We argue over, over carpet colors. We argue over meeting times. We argue because, because people just fight. That's just what we do. We, we always want to be in the know about everything. 
even when it doesn't even concern us. And then what happens is, is those things lead to division. And then what ends up happening is as we continue to further and further and further divide, guess what gets lost in the shuffle? Our ability to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Do you know why churches are dying today? Because they have forgotten the command to make known the good news of Jesus Christ. They have forgotten their first love. Paul continues. And he says that not only do I preach the gospel, but he says this, he says, and not with words of eloquent wisdom. Now, for Paul, in Paul's day, eloquent speakers and orators were considered prizes to the community. Thus, because of their ability to speak, they actually enjoyed a lofty status within the city of Corinth itself. Even amongst the Corinthian Christians, it was clear that Paul and Apollos were being judged based on their delivery style, or better yet, judged based on their eloquence of of their words. And so Paul says this. He says that I I preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom. And then he says this, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. In other words, pay attention to what Paul is saying. Style of delivery does not matter. What matters is the substance. Don't be swayed by the artistry of the orator, the artistry of the speaker. Rather, if you're going to be swayed by anything, be swayed by the message of the cross. In fact, it was Thomas Schreiner who said it best. He said, one could become entranced with the skill and the power of the speaker and yet fail to grasp the message of the cross. You see, if we were truly united in Christ then we should not allow the skill of the orator to take the place of the substance of the message. Sure, we may like some speakers better than others because of our preferences. Sure, we may like their delivery. However, do not allow the delivery to then create division within the local church. This is what Paul says to the church. He says, do not allow our love for another pastor who may be hundreds of miles away to now cause us to miss the message that God has for us through the encouragement and the teachings of the local church. And you see, here's the reality. We live in a world full of distractions. And I'm going to tell you, by the grace of God, we live in a world full of technology. And that technology enables us to go out and listen to podcasts and sermons of pastors all over this world. And they are brilliant. And I mean, if you, if you need a list of people, man, I can give you a list. They're brilliant minds. But I want you to know that each of these men that we can listen to would say the same thing that Paul has said to the Corinthians Christians today. They would say that their podcast, their YouTube channel, their recordings on their own church websites should never replace our need to engage in active worship, listening and learning through the local church. You see, here's the reality for us today. In order to be united in Christ, we must remain together, connected through the local church. R.C. Sproul said it best. By the way, brilliant preacher. Encourage you to listen to his messages. They have made all of his sermons available, even the bad ones. 
but even the bad ones are like better than most of my great ones, okay? I'm just gonna go ahead and put that out there. He is so brilliant. All these sermons are made available. And in one of these sermons, he says it best. He says, as a church, as believers in Christ, we should be a source of unity wherever you worship. I mean, it is amazing to see how quickly divisions can come to the local church. We may say to ourselves, this would never happen to us. Well, think again. Because if it could happen to the Corinthian Christians, then it can happen today. And so we need to be on guard. And as we see from Paul's writings, division in the church is often man-centered. And so as men and women of the church making up the body of believers called to holiness, let's keep Christ the center of all that we do because it is in Christ that we are now united. You see, when we follow and exalt men, for their speaking abilities and their skills. Then the reality is this, if we're not careful, the message of the cross can be lost and often forgotten. So let's make sure that what we see and what we hear, let's make sure that in the midst of whatever it is we're seeing and hearing, let's, let's hold to the central truth that Jesus Christ is what brings us together. In other words, it is Christ who unites us. And what we need is not found in mere man. It is found solely in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me encourage you from Paul's writing, keep your eyes focused upon him. Let us continue to seek to be united in the hope and the bond that we now have with Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and he is our Lord. Why? Because Putting our faith, hope, and trust in man can and will divide, and only faith in Christ will unite us. Why? Well, Paul answers the question. Because Jesus Christ is not divided. To God be the glory for the unity that is found in Christ and the hope that we now have in him. Let's pray together. May your glory know.